Today we're reading 3 John, uh, which you can find on page 1,233. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Thanks, Shana. Well, how's, um, how's everyone doing? I hope everyone's having a good week and persevering through these cold, long, cold winter months. Uh, my family and I recently come back from a holiday in Mildura uh, where it was a little bit more sunny. And it's definitely been pretty cold here in Adelaide. This is, how, this is uh, our winter warmer series, however, so it's appropriate that it's cold, I guess. Um, by the way, a lot of uh, work went into naming this series. It's winter and we want to be warm, so winter warm as it is. Uh, if you don't know me or haven't met me before, my name is Peter and I'm part of the team here at the Bay. Please feel free to chat with me later. I'd love to say good day to you. Well, I wonder if you've ever been involved in a church or a community or a group or something like that, and there's been a bit of a leadership challenge uh, or something particularly wrong with how things are being done. I mean, no one here has ever experienced anything like that, have they? I mean, everything always goes perfectly well, no hassles, uh, everyone gets along really fine. I reckon everyone here could rattle off something that they could pretty well think of straight away where that's been the case whether that be in a a church situation or a social group or a community group or something uh, of some sort. I mean, it's frustrating, isn't it? Uh, Don't get me wrong, I know things go wrong and I know sometimes things happen. But when there's a reason like what we have here in 3 John, it just makes it all the more difficult. Because what we have here in this letter is someone trying to push their own agenda rather than doing what they should be doing and doing what should be done. It's like that uh, great footy team that has a bad coach and it just can't seem to get over the line or that big corporation that seems to be doing really well, and it just goes through the hoop and goes broke. And it's all due to uh, personal agendas, pride, and uh, wanting to to do their own thing that gets in the way. Well, today I'm going to be taking us through the letter of 3 John, 
which is part of the mini-series we've been doing here at the Bay, at Trinity Bay, and it's uh, on the letters of John. And this community here in this letter was showing all these signs of these things that I was just mentioning of. Over the last few weeks, Colin, our pastor, and Mark, our minister in training, have been taking us through 1 John and 2 John, and we've been starting to see that John cares so much for the believers that he's writing to that he wants them to remain in Christ and to continue on to know what they know to be true. So today it really is an honour and a privilege to be able to serve you and I hope uh, as we dive in uh, into this letter that it builds us all up and um, points us to Christ. But before we do that, let me lead us in prayer uh, as we see God in his wisdom this morning. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we are full of praise for you this morning as we gather in the name of Jesus. We give thanks for you how you used John in an amazing way to reveal the truth of the gospel to us all. And we ask that you work in us this morning as we look at what this letter meant for those in the days of when John was writing it. And we ask that you be working in us now as we continue to look to Jesus. Amen. If you have just joined us this morning and you're not too familiar with John, uh, I can't remember who John is, I've never even heard of John, uh, I hope this morning is either a helpful reminder of uh, something has been revealed to you for the first time, and I hope this does point you to Jesus. So over the past few weeks, we've seen from the Apostle John, who wrote these letters for us, that he has some important things that he wants to continually be reminding us of. Last week from Mark, we saw that um, John speaks there about walking in the truth. This from 2 John verse 4, It has given me great joy to find some of your children are walking in the truth. And again, this week, he repeats this same theme. If you have a look in uh, verse 4 of 3 John, he writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. A theme that runs right through all of these letters is John reminding and wanting his children to remain in the truth. He speaks of his, the believers as his children. He wants them to walk in the truth and abide in the truth, remain in the truth. And as we look at this letter uh, in more detail, John adds another truth to us in regards to being hospitable and what that looks like. He wants us to be displaying our Christian faith in a way that is hospitable to others. In this letter, we have three main characters who are mentioned by um, John. Firstly, Gaius, who John is writing to personally. We have Diotrephes, who is a leader in the church. And we are introduced to Demetrius, who John mentions at the end of the letter. And as we go through these verses, we'll find a bit more more about these characters and uh, uh, why they are mentioned here for us. I've broken up the letter into three sections that will hopefully help us. Uh, 1 to 8, being faithful in truth. 9 to 11, good hospitality. And 12 to 14, God's truth is good. John begins this letter in 3 John the same way as he does in 2 John by identifying himself as the author. And one of the only letters written to a specific person, this time, uh, namely Gaius. This letter has a very personal touch and is is quite direct, it's quite personal. It begins with, my dear friend, and finishes by John declaring he has much to write, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to uh, speak face to face in verse 14. Now, it begins this letter and to John in basically the same way. This tells us uh, a couple of things. Firstly, that John likes to repeat himself. But more importantly, it tells us that he is the same writer of both of these letters. And we can trust what he's saying in this letter as well. So let's take a look. Have a look at these first few verses in 1 to 4. Verse 1, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. 
Now, John identifies himself here as the elder. This tells us something uh, straight away about his position in the church. Those who have been around uh, churches a bit may know the term that elder refers to someone who is a uh, mature member of the church. Maybe not just in years as, say, our current senior pastor Colin is. Um, I can say that because he's not here today. But who have been called into this role and have shown that their characteristics are consistent with being a leader in a church like Colin is. Now, we know from 1 John that there was a community of believers that he was writing to there, and he was warning them about false teaching. I say that because what we know of John and his ministry at the time. This is around the time of late 90s AD and in and around the city of Ephesus. This timeline fits in with those who were opposed of what John was teaching and who he warned about in the other letters of 1 John and 2 John. Now, it's possible that the order of these letters may not be in sequence. 3 John might be um, in front or before of 2 John and vice versa. But what we do know for sure is the heresy that was around at this time and the danger that, uh, for those who are in John's care. Now, what we need to keep in mind is that John uh, is an apostle, that he was with Jesus himself. So he saw Jesus, he was with Jesus, and he was teached by Jesus personally. If anyone can claim to know what Jesus said and did, it's those who were with him at his time of Jesus' ministry, who were around at this time. Now, Gaius here is being introduced by John in verse 1 as a believer and a dear friend. And obviously, he was a follower of what, Jesus, uh, of, of what John was teaching. So what is the truth that John is referring to? Well, the truth essentially is, being, uh, is, is the belief that Jesus is the only way to salvation and being made right with God. And any other teaching is, in fact, false teaching. If you've missed our previous weeks here at Trinity Bay... You can check those talks out on our website and download those. That would be helpful. Uh, Mark last week and 2 John helpfully reminded us of John's concerns in walking in truth and love and how Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. This letter in 3 John focuses on godly hospitality and what that means and why that is important. You see, John had a great emphasis on truth and how, that, and how that played out in our everyday lives as Christians. If this is the first time you've heard this, that we'd like to know more about how Jesus saves us and makes us eternally right with our Father in heaven, please speak with the person that you come here with uh, or one of the other regulars here or myself. We'd love for you to know the saving faith that Jesus' death and resurrection brings. And so the truth is something that is really important to understanding and determining uh, what is right and wrong in our walk with Jesus. So keeping to what is true is vital in remaining in Christ and having that standard to live by. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, before I got into ministry, I was doing a bit, a bit of work putting up fences and uh, pulling down old fences and putting up new ones. I was doing a bit of fencing. And one thing that was really important there was to, uh, building a fence, was to make sure that it was sturdy, that it was strong and that it was straight. And if any of you have ever had a fence put up and it hasn't been put up right, you just know how much of a hassle that is. You know, it's not, it's not straight, uh, it's unsightly, and uh, it just doesn't look right. So how, so how we would build, build something straight was we would run a string line between two posts, uh, which was going to be either end of your fence. And uh, that's where the fence was going to go. Now, this line was where the posts must line up against in order for it to be straight 
to be following the true line. If we deviated off of that line, the fence was crooked. Uh, that line gave us a guide to know where the post had to be in order for the, to be going in the right direction. And it was our compass, it was the true line to follow. And it's the same with our walk with Jesus and remaining in the truth. Jesus is our moral compass. If we, want, if we wander off our line with Jesus, then we can follow a wrong path and our walk and our life can be going uh, in a wrong direction. So Gaius here in this letter seems to be someone who has been, who has been walking and has been faithful to what is true. Gaius could well have been a disciple of John uh, at a previous location and he could have sat under his teaching before. Regardless of how um, he knows John, what's important is he seems to know what John means by the truth. Now, the, now what the uh, truth is and, and um, what it's not can mean so much to many different people. A slightly different meaning to a word can change the whole way of what the truth is and how it means, can't it? I mean, Satan deceived Eve by distorting the truth just a bit, didn't he? I found during my studies at BCSA this year that um, a misplaced word or a slightly different word could add a totally different thing to a meaning or a word. This is more obvious in Greek, uh, where a slight change to a word is massive. For instance, I could say, um, look over there, I see a lion eating. And if you change the end of that just a little bit, that turns into, look over there, I was eaten by a lion. Now, this has two entirely different endings, but it has come from the same beginning. It's the same with Jesus, a slight change to who he is, and it means something else completely different. And if you trust a false Jesus, you're not right with God. Let's continue on from verse 2. John writes, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is going along well. He gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You can just feel John's compassion for this, can't you, as he's, um, as he's uh, writing this. This Blake Gaius is travelling pretty well, isn't he? I mean, verse 2, John writes, he's progressing well spiritually. Now, imagine getting a letter from John the Apostle, who was with Jesus, and the first few things he says to you is, you are going well spiritually. Now, that's a pretty big rap. An apostle of Jesus is telling another believer that he's going well with his walk with Jesus. I can't imagine a better pat on the back, really. That's like a, an up-and-coming AFL player, footy player, being told by uh, someone like uh, Robbie Gray or Eddie Betts or someone like that, that he's, going, that he's going okay and he's probably going to make the big league. Or a child being told by his parents that they're proud of them. It's almost like John couldn't really fault much of what he was doing spiritually and so he was uh, saying, I hope he enjoys good health. Verse 3 and 4 goes and expands on a bit of the things that show what a healthy and good life following Jesus looks like. Continually being faithful and walking in the truth seems to be the right things to do, according to John. John mentions there is no greater joy than to hear his children are walking in the truth. Still walking in the truth. He speaks of those in his care, as I said before, as his children. For those of you with kids here, or if you've worked with kids, you don't have to be told how joyful it is for your kids to do something that's right and what you have taught them. And they're doing something which is right and according to what the truth is. I remember about um, 
uh, two years ago, I was with my stepdaughter Crystal and my stepson Cody, and we were um, at Bunnings at Norlunga. And that's just what you do if you live in Norlunga, you go to Bunnings. Um, now, I'd wandered off to buy something, and the kids went and played on the play equipment and, uh, while they waited for me. When I was ready to leave, Crystal came running up to me, and she'd found a wallet near the playground at Bunnings, and she'd returned it to one of the workers. Crystal had handed in this wallet. I said to her, that's fantastic. You know, was there any money in it? And she just sort of said, oh, yeah, it was about 200 bucks. Um, this is a parent gave me great joy to know that Crystal was walking in the truth and being faithful and honouring God's word and handing back something that wasn't hers. I don't think I would have done that at her age. Actually, I know I wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> Gaius here has given John great joy as he is being faithful to the truth and walking in it. And it's just not a one-off for Gaius. He's continually doing it. Isn't it great we get this insight into John's understanding of what is right in Christian living? So what exactly is the right behaviour and who are the other people that John speaks of in verse 5? It seems these are the guys who have given the church, in verse 6, a good report. John then goes on to say, please send them on a way in a manner that honours God. So if people coming to a church, uh, to stay at a church or a house church or where, whatever it is that, um, where they're meeting and where they're, where they're gathering there, and we, are just, and we are told despite not knowing who these people are personally, they've looked after them, they've taken them in and treated them very well. This is showing great godly hospitality. Verse 7 and 8 tells us a bit more about how their faith was being worked out in truth. Please read with me. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. At this point, it might help to understand a little uh, bit of what hospitality meant to the early church and around the time when this letter was written. To be hospitable to someone meant that those who were strangers, like these people in verse 5 were, could now be moved from stranger status to to being called guests. It's a bit like regular people who come to church for the first time and uh, who are visiting. Now, this is significant as strangers in those days were treated with great caution and great suspicion. They could be a threat and they needed to be avoided. Strangers had no standing in society and without anyone vouching for them, they were basically on their own and they were without help from anyone. If, however, you took them in, the whole community that you came from would praise you and the others would tell how you've treated them very well. And if you didn't treat them very well, they'd all say here about that as well. So John is highlighting uh, who they were as strangers and how well they were looked after by Gaius. He says he loved for them, and instead of treating them like strangers, he cared for them. John also gives us uh, the reason for these guys being on the move. He says it was for the sake of the name. And what he's referring to is the name of Jesus Christ. These guys were missionaries. These guys were travelling missionaries, moving throughout the regions, preaching the gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus. They'd been sent possibly by John himself or from someone else, and John is praising them for treating them so well and reminding them to send them off in a way and a manner that honours God. This is a timeless command, isn't it? This is the fulfilment of what Jesus taught us all, isn't it? In the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. These guys were responding to that command and they were doing it. And we can all play our part in working together for the gospel to go out and for the truth of Jesus to be explained. Now, let me give you a bit of an example of this. Uh, part, of the, part of this network we, we belong to here at Trinity City have a big emphasis on mission. And being involved with the City Church for a few years, I was able to meet and speak and see in person the missionaries uh, who were supporting financially. And in our growth groups, they would come and they would speak and they'd tell us about all the wonderful things they were doing and about how they were caring for people and they were uh, speaking Christ into, into people's lives all around the world. This involved caring for kids with disabilities uh, who had been abandoned and to holding Bible studies for people for the first time to ever hear about Jesus. And amongst their, uh, amongst their situations at the time, that would have been very, very um, great thing to hear. What amazed me, though, was the way that we cared for those people who came back and were resting and were um, spending their time uh, retreat here, uh, as they call it. People were offering up cars to borrow. They were letting them come and stay. They were cooking meals. They were going out and they were doing all these things for them. And then they were sending them out. They were being part of their lives in their homes and then they were sending, sending them out in the same way, in the same manner. We as a church and as a network have been doing this and we've been, uh, what John is describing here and what he asked the church there to be doing. Now this all seems really good and everything seems to be going really well and then we get to the second point here in verse 9 to 10. Please read with me again. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will, uh, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So what's going on here and what started to occur? Well, John says it right there, doesn't he? John has at some point already written to Diotrephes and that hasn't gone down so well. According to some research I was doing for this talk, this first letter is missing, uh, it's lost, no one seems to know exactly what it is or what was in it. But we could take a good guess and suggest it probably involved John writing to Diotrephes, telling him to welcome these missionaries and these people he's about to go send them and to look after them. But Diotrephes doesn't seem to want to listen to John and hasn't welcomed him and others uh, that were with him. Now it looks like we've got the classic power struggle going on here, doesn't it? And reading this, it got me thinking about what bad hospitality looks like and how damaging that can be. Uh, just, just recently, I made contact with a local um, service provider uh, similar to the Westcare Centre where I volunteer once a week uh, in the city. And this is a place where people who are struggling with homelessness can come and have a meal and have a chat with people and just have uh, uh, some time out from their, from their lives. My hope was to spend a couple of weeks there while I was on a study break and see what I could do, maybe chat to people, maybe um, you know, start some conversations which lead to Jesus. But the disappointing was that there's a person that was in charge here. He just didn't seem to uh, be very welcoming. Um, I mean, I wasn't after a standing ovation, you know, anything like that. But he didn't seem to be very happy I was there. And he seemed, seemed like a bit of an uh, annoyance to him. And he seemed a bit bothered. It was all a bit of an inconvenience for him. Now everyone has bad days, you know, and I get that, and stuff happens, and I get that. But the same thing happened the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. I didn't feel very welcomed, and there just wasn't much hospitality going on there at this occasion. And as a, it was a Christian program, I was questioning what was going on. But let's look at Diotrephes 
and uh, see what was going on in this situation here. He loves to be first, it says in verse 9. It seems like he's abusing his position of power and not being a, humbly, a humble godly leader, but putting himself before others. And not only that, John goes on to say in verse 10 that he's been refusing to greet new people, new believers, as he puts it. And he also stops people from uh, greeting people as they've turned up, greeting new people. And if anyone else did welcome them, they got their marching uh, marching orders as well. He told them to get out and leave. Now, this is just bizarre. I mean, I'm not sure what the idea of a church should be, but it's not this, is it? Imagine if we did that here. Imagine if people turned up here one Sunday... And they were here for the first time, they were believers, maybe they were here from out of town, or maybe they were training or preaching or, or doing something like that. Um, we wouldn't tell them that they get lost, would we? We wouldn't say, you know, you need to get out of here. Uh, and if someone tried to help them, if someone tried to greet them and do well, we wouldn't say, well, you can get out as well. You know, it's just um, amazing. I'm pretty sure Colin and Mark wouldn't do that at their gatherings. But what is happening here is a damning report from John the Apostle on Diotrephes, who seems to be a leader there. Gaius was welcomed these travelling missionaries and offered them hospitality. But this Blake Diotrephes didn't welcome them at all and has rejected them. And essentially he's rejecting John's authority in the church under Jesus Christ. Now this gives us a bit of an insight as to John, why John writes this letter to Gaius. He's not going to write another one to Diotrephes. He's lost the plot. He's kicking out members refusing to acknowledge John's authority under Jesus Christ. So what do you think is going on here? Why has this Blake Diotrephes acted in the way that he has? It seems to be that he's so concerned with being the leader that he's not listening to anything anyone else is coming up with. We've all come across those types before, haven't we? John mentions that he loves to be first, so maybe uh, he just wants to do it his way or the highway. Um, He's being puffed up with pride. Verse 11, however, sums up what John is thinking about this behaviour. As he repeats here in verse uh, 11, something that he mentioned in the letters of 1 John and 2 John. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil does not know God. So John here is stating that what Diotrephes is doing and how he's behaving is not from God. It is in fact evil. This was something that needed to be passed on to the true believers in the church. The way John uses his words here is not accidental at all. John wants the believers in the church there to know that accepting these missionaries who are coming in the name of Jesus Christ is doing what is good from God. And not accepting them is doing what is evil. And all who do that have not seen God and doesn't know God at all. This is an old-fashioned like, scolding from John as he says, don't be like those guys, imitate what is good. In other words, John is saying to his friend Gaius, don't do what the other guy is doing, but continue to do what you know what is true. Continue to do what is right. And he says, don't worry about Diotrephes, I'll come and see him when I come and see you guys next. You know, something tells me that Diotrephes didn't uh, remain a leader in that church much longer. Now this brings me up to my third point this morning uh, from verses 12 to 14, the truth that is good. Take a look uh, with me at these last couple of verses. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. 
We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. So after clarifying what is right, what is right and wrong and caring for travelling missionaries, we now hear for the first time about this bloke, Demetrius. Now, we're not told a lot about this guy um, either, as John has explained. He's got lots to say, but he wants to speak to him face to face rather than to keep writing. But what we can work out, uh, we can work out a couple of things by what John has written for us here. Firstly, we can assume that when John speaks well of someone, we know what he means by that. He's probably like Gaius in verse 2. He's progressing well spiritually. This bloke Demetrius, you can guarantee, is a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. His credentials have been checked out and you can trust him. John then goes on to say, we also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true, in verse 12. Demetrius has been sent in the name of Jesus and his community where he has come from has vouched for him and everyone has spoken well of him. John wants his church to know that any of his travelling missionaries and preachers who have been sent by him hold the true message about salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is the truth that is good, not evil. And finally, John finishes this letter by making sure that Gaius knows there's unity in the true gospel. As he writes, the friends here send their, um, send their greetings. And when, they, when people come to you in the future, greet them by name. So seeing these things going on in this church and the way that John speaks in these letters in 1 John and 2 John, and more so in 2 John and 3 John, gets me to think about how do we respond to what John has written and what that means for us here and now uh, at the Bay. I mean, firstly, there's no real massive statements that are complex or deeply theological or intense um, in 3 John. But what we do see is a pastor caring for his people and writing in a very caring, relational way. It's the truth of the gospel message, which I'm sure over the, this series we've, we've got, we get that, we see that. But it's also how we support the work of the gospel um, that those like the travelling missionaries that we have in the network and those who come and visit us and who we support financially uh, so that they can concentrate on spreading the gospel into the regions where God has placed them. Uh, here at the Bay, I know we do this very well as we support our uh, overseas missionaries, NNR, and I've got to know those guys. I've met those guys, um, and it's really encouraging to hear and see what they've been doing. But what we also have in this truth of 3 John is how we can care for those who are working for the gospel to go out here at the Bay. How we care for those who are serving here and now as they did in the church back then. Supporting and caring for those who are serving us as leaders and loving them is a command that is timeless. And seeing that uh, report we just heard just uh, minutes ago, it's really encouraging to see that, we're, that people are getting, uh, doing this and they are supporting the work of the gospel. And today this church has been blessed in many ways and we've had many great leaders who have served faithfully here for many years. And as a church community, we continue to strive to do that, to serve Jesus by serving the members of this church. And my family, since we joined this church community uh, here in February, have been treated very well. Um, we felt very much like a part of the family here. Everyone here should feel very proud about how we treat people and, and uh, welcome people and new people here at the church. But obviously that, this doesn't stop or can we ever feel like we've done enough or we can relax. Um, for the ministry, for the gospel to go out and in order for that to occur, 
we need to be making sure that um, we, we support our ministry in our church and the leaders who teach us. We can do that by supporting the ministry that goes on here at the Bay. That can be done financially, that can be done prayerfully, and that can be done by offering up your time to help in making sure that the ministry of the gospel uh, is going out and is continually to go out to those who don't know Jesus. Now, this isn't a a money-grabbing initiative, uh, but a genuine support network for teaching the gospel and for training more disciples so that the word can continue to go out and for more people to be saved. I think as we do that, we would be described in the same way as John does here in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the way that you use John to reveal what it looks like to be hospitable to those who preach and teach the gospel. Father, as we go out in our week now, please keep working in and through us so that your word can continue to be preached in our churches. And Father, may many be saved and numbers added to the kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.